0: Welcome! you found the Out of the Ordinary Podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm
1: Lisa Jo Baker. And a few of our favorite ordinary winter things are flannel sheets, candles in the kitchen, and coming in out of the cold.
0: And a few of mine are ice skating on the neighborhood pond, long walks after a snowfall, and warming back up again with a homemade tea latte. We hope these conversations help
1: you see the extra hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life too. Get comfy. Here we go. I don't know about you, Christy, but one of my favorite things about hosting a podcast is when the listeners talk back to us. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I know that seems like, how is that possible? Maybe they do talk back just while they're listening, because I do that sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts. I just talk out loud as if we're having a conversation. But a lot <laughs> of times people will actually message us. So they'll send us a note via you know Instagram message or leave a comment, or if they know us in person, they might text or vox us. And I laugh because I got this message this week from our friend Tanya, our good friend Tanya in Canada. And she wrote to me, I have to tell you, I nearly drove off the road today. I was laughing so hard at you describing Jackson's diaper crisis in the middle of the airport. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder how we survived mothering early years. And if you're wondering what, it's because for the last two weeks, we've been doing this mini series around the idea of re-entry. And last week, we unpacked, well, re-entry often is something we associate with travel. So while we haven't all been traveling in the last year, Chrissy and I have many travel stories from the past decades of our lives. And some of them, as I was sharing them, I realized, oh, I have some like deep-seated trauma still from traveling overseas with toddlers, (laughs) And we shared some of those stories, and it was fun to hear what other people shared back. So one of the places that we love to connect with our listeners, and if you haven't, please come and find it, is in what we call the Black Barn Online. It's a community, a space we host, and one of the things we do on Thursdays is unpack the conversation from the podcast that week. So you can always go to blackbarnonline.com. It's always in our show notes, too. And we asked people this week, where what was the last trip you took before the world shut
0: down? And it was fun listening to the replies. It was. There was one story that caught my eye, Lisa Jo, because um, Sherry shared about her last trip, which talk about. Like down to the down to the wire. I mean, I felt nervous just um, reading it. So Sherry um, shared about how, as she said, when the virus was becoming diagnosed last March, um, with her family, she flew into Las Vegas and um, they uh, did some travel through Arizona. But she says, on our drive back to Las Vegas to catch our flight home, we heard that Las Vegas was shutting down, and as we drove through the city, it was a ghost town—no cars no casinos open, no people walking on the streets. The airport was close to empty, but our plane was full. We boarded and delayed. And again, delayed. We talked about that last yep. week. <laughs> and then the announcement came in that someone in the tower was diagnosed with the virus and the airport would be shutting down. But since we were on the plane, they said our flight would be taking off. Oh. Thank goodness. Yes. It was an awesome trip. She says, and that's how, cl- that's how close they came. Like I feel like, ah, I feel all wiggly. And then, um, Kara shared, um, she said, so she said, I'm loving this series on the podcast. We go to Costa Rica, um, every so often to visit family. And our last trip was January, 2020. She says, I remember reflecting a lot on that trip about my oldest starting kindergarten that fall little did we know (laughs) he would be with us all year doing remote school. We will miss him when he goes to first grade in person, but I know it will be easier to let him go because I'll be so happy for him, my own little extreme extrovert, and for me to have some quiet in the house if I'm honest. And those words in Kara's um, comment, uh, little did we know, I feel like if we had a nickel for every time we have said. <laughs> Little did we know. But I realized, um, re- you know, he- reading these comments, I realized, Lisa Joe, I don't actually remember my last trip. Do you remember yours? You don't? Maybe it's because you leave so seldom. You and Maple Hearthstone I think are that's one. why.
1: <laughs> I think... I'm-
0: maybe you would
1: better remember the last time people came to you, like the last time you hosted. What
0: was that? I remember that clearly. Yes, yes. So in um, it was days before everything shut down. Um, March 8th, 9th, 10th, I hosted here uh, three dear, dear friends from Chicago. So I can remember picking them up from the airport and offering them hand sanitizer. Like that's how close we were to we were not close. I was not close to understanding what was about to happen, but it was enough in the news and in, you know, being discussed that I was wanting to make that offer as soon as they, you know, got into my car. And I've never done that before when picking up guests from, from the airport. And so yes, yeah, been a glorious few days with them because it felt like spring. It was starting to warm up here. They had just come from cold Chicago and to know it had, it had been a hard a difficult trip to plan as it is with busy moms it had been very hard to find time when we were all available and actually we had really been trying to plan the trip for April or May because we assumed we would have better weather and we could get out more but it just wouldn't work out and so we ended up with this mid-March time That, here I'm going to use those words, little did we know,
1: (laughs) was exactly the
0: perfect time. It And that gift, that gift of that timing is something I have returned to in my mind again and again over this year. So many times I've texted these friends to say, can you believe that we had that time? It's incredible to me.
1: Yeah, that's really beautiful. I remember two stand out for me. One of them was the last time I came to your house. So that was the December, December 8th and 9th. Eighth, ninth, and tenth—I even remember the dates. We came and spent a a few days for a quiet writers' retreat with some of our close friends, and it was just a very sacred time. And at the time, we had thought, "Well, maybe this will be an annual thing." Ha ha ha! Yeah, I remember every all five women from that retreat all sort of texting each other this past year around the same time, saying, "Oh my goodness!" A year ago, we were together thinking just. That was the thing, just taking for granted, right? Like it it seemed like nothing to come. And now it seems like the promised land, like how we had no idea how good we had it to be able to fly in and drive out there and spend time together and... Nobody was wearing masks or worrying about hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm, we were all snuggled right? up really close. It was cold. <laughs> we were around the fire. Like, you know, we, yeah. we just couldn't have been more up in each other's business. And I look at that now and I just think, wow, yeah, little did we know, but like how precious this was to get to spend this time. And I just assumed I'd be back. I mean, I remember saying goodbye to you and being, and saying, Something along the lines of, I'll see you next month or in a couple months, we'll record together again. That was just an assumption. We took it for granted. But my last travel of my own was in February. Right before the world was starting to shut down, me and our good friend Amy Hinman, who's one of the founding artists for our online care package, Paper and String, we traveled together to Wisconsin. Oh my gosh, Wisconsin in February. It was so cold. (laughs) It was so cold. Um, And we, we were at a women's retreat where I spoke. We were there for two or three days and it was so lovely. And it's funny because Amy and I just traveled again for the first time this month, actually, to an event in Indiana. But it was just, you know, I flew in, spoke that night, flew home, but a very different experience. So rather than last year, when I had been surrounded by all those women and got to sign books and hug people and listen to their stories. This year, they had me escorted into a small little room by myself with Amy. We wore masks the whole time and then escorted up to speak and then escorted right off and out again. So part of the introverted me thought, huh, maybe this is the the better way. <laughs> you just come <laughs> and speak and leave? <laughs> but but when I look back at pictures from last year, I realize oh, it's uh, it's hard not to have that sense of real personal connection and closeness and contact. So that's what these conversations are as we think about what does re-entry look like? Because for sure, it's not going to be this big one and done. Like, And now here's the date on the calendar where life goes Mm -hmm. back to normal. Clearly, that's Mm -hmm. not going to be it. We are more inching toward tiny little bits of normality. And that's why we thought we'd have this series of conversations unpacking what that's looked like. And so I as we were getting ready to speak today, Christy, I love there was a verse that you referenced that I think so perfectly captures what reentry looks like, but also so perfectly uh captures what the heart of this
0: podcast has been about. That's right, that's right. I thought of this verse right away because I guess not only with reentry now in my life but always in my life, I want the I want the new beginning to be. After Especially after a hard thing, a hard season, or a hard ending, I want the new beginning to be angel singing, trumpet fanfare, <laughs> glory hallelujah, we have arrived, right? Confetti cannons. <laughs> yes. I think actually what I want is another ending, just a better one. I don't actually oh, want the beginning because beginnings oh, generally wow. are small things. Mm. So, in um, Zechariah 4, I thought of this verse where, um, do you remember, at least Joe, where what, what is the actual verse?: <laughs> uh, Yeah, we had it pulled up because we we're looking at it together. So it's Zechariah four,
1: verse. eight, Well, 10, really? It's verse 10. We, we So we had, oh, we had yes. ten pulled up, but then we went back and read the passage because we were trying to understand the context of this really beautiful verse. So I'll set the scene, and then you can read the verse. Okay, okay. But there's this rebuilding happening or this building of a temple, and uh, God is making a promise again, as He always does, and they're, He's talking about how He's going to help them, and they're going to lay the foundation of the temple and complete it. But as you can imagine, when you're building a temple— just accomplishing the foundation (laughs) might feel discouraging, especially because it's not even something you could really see with your eyes. It's just kind of a Mm. level plane in front of you. And I think after this conversation, I'm going to go and read more about this passage because it was so interesting to me, the promise God is making about this beginning of the temple now that they've accomplished the foundation. And then God, without really hearing, it's not like somebody has said, oh, this is not enough. We want fanfare. We want you know, a a celebration, we want a parade. Nobody has really said that, but it's as if God anticipates, that's my interpretation, our human hearts. And then he offers this in verse 10.
0: Mm -hmm. He says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Like that there And there I mm. feel the fanfare. There I feel something like angels singing because to know that the Lord, our Maker, is rejoicing in something we are involved in, that gives me goosebumps. That's huge. But with our human eyes, our doubting selves, uh, it can be hard to, to share in that. It can be hard to see that when when the beginning is so small. So, here we are re-entry in different ways has begun, but it is small. And I think we have discovered at this point in our podcast relationship, Lisa Joe, that small things are very on-brand for us at the Out of the Ordinary podcast. (laughs) I mean, our very first episode, right,
1: talked about that when everything big starts small. That was our very first conversation nearly three years ago, and here we are still talking about it. And part of what has been encouraging this week is hearing comments back from people who've said or have said in reviews they've left saying these conversations are helping you as you try to process what does reentry look like and how parts of it might be disappointing, parts of it might not be fast enough for you. I was talking to a friend who in her part of the country, their kids were going to prom, like they had a prom happening. And I said, oh my gosh, my kids aren't even back in school yet. Like, I'm so jealous of you. So different parts of the country are really experiencing this differently. And so for some of us, it feels really small and not enough and frustrating. And I just love that God always speaks into that. And in this verse too, it's interesting. He then talks about, when they place the final stone, he's anticipating this moment, and it says, when he sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. And I just love that picture that God knows, we start small, but he also knows that because of him, there will come an ending, there will come a time when it is complete. And I think completeness, right, is a better word than an ending. There's a mm, sense of completeness. and That's good. This This week, we mark that in our family in this sort of unique way because when everything was shutting down last year, it was right around Zoe's birthday. So her birthday is March 19th. So we are in the week of her birthday now again. And at the time, it was my brain was still playing catch up with the news. I remember thinking, what? Like, so school had just shut down. It was her birthday and we had to change up all of our plans because we realized, oh, we can't have like a bunch of kids over. And it was the beginning of us rewriting the scripts in our head about what life was going to look like. And it's such a milestone for me. So it's so connected to Zoe's birthday because the way you celebrate things are what you remember, right? These are the big milestone moments and it didn't end up looking like we thought it would. And now here we are back again, a full year later in the <laughs> week of her birthday, and things are slowly opening up. So we'll have a few little friends over who we've sort of had in our bubble this whole time. And she's excited because she gets to have friends this time. <laughs> <And> <laughs> we've talked about what it will look like and how we'll celebrate, but... It's small. It's still small. It's not like we're like oh, have fifteen friends over and let's go out to some mm-hmm. place. You know, often children's birthday parties are hosted at a at a restaurant or a fun center or whatever a jumpy castle. All of those are right. obviously still closed. So we're going to have a tea party, which is her favorite thing anyway. So we'll have a tea party. She'll have a few friends over. But in my mind, I can measure now date to date, beginning and. Tiny tentative ending completeness that we've marked a full year of life looking completely different. And so, even though the vaccine is rolling out and there's, you know, numbers are starting to drop, life with masks doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. We're only back to school two days a week here. You know, Mm -hmm. it's all very, very slow. But the birthday this year really feels. Like a beautiful measuring moment of, wow, we did it. You know, we went through a whole year in this strange world, and it's forced me to reflect. You know, we've celebrated each other. We've walked through hard things. We've been sad. We've given people room to be disappointed. We've felt a lot of feelings. We've been able to adapt. God has continued to provide financially, even though my husband lost his job because of COVID. There's a lot of things that. It's not just about a birthday anymore. It's about how the birthday falls on this calendar that offers me a tangible, almost like a line that I can measure against.
0: Oh, speaking of line, so yours is actually quite beautiful and symbolic and (laughs) lovely. Maybe mine is too in a different way. But as soon as you said the word line, I thought of, so this week I've been scrolling back in my, well, I've been doing it for a couple of weeks now, scrolling back in my Photos on my phone to one year ago, and mm. because of course in February and now March, I'm revisiting that very momentous time. And this week, I came across a a, a photo that I I shared in my Instagram stories of of a line, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a it's a flower bed in my back backyard um, behind the kitchen, and it was a new bed. I was plant going to be planting it up. From scratch last spring, last March. And on March 13th, I was out there that morning. It felt like spring, it was sunny. I was out there spreading compost in that bed. So, you know, mucky, black soil to feed the plants. And I, Jonathan had gone, we have a local um, compost facility. And one of the good things about living in mushroom farming country is that you have free (laughs) access to mushroom mulch, mushroom compost, which is after they harvest the mushrooms, they have this really fertile, mucky stuff and it just piles up. And so living right here, we can just go get a load for free which is great for the garden so John had done that and I was spreading the last of of what he had brought home a few days before and I t- kept telling him I don't have enough for this whole bed so can you go get some more and he did he went to trial. and to try on this day that we um it was the first day I think my kids were home we were starting to realize oh everything is slowly shutting down Actually, I don't even know if we comprehended that, Lisa. Joe, I, I don't know, but it was that day things were changing, and I feel like it was probably the next day that essentially we sort of closed the doors on our yard, as did our neighbors, mm-hmm. and said, oh, "Okay, we're we're sheltering in place for the next two weeks." We thought. So I I said, "Can you just go get more, just so I can finish this bed?" And he came back later and said, "It's they closed. No one. It's no one's there. I can't get any more." And I can remember feeling like what? (laughs) What am I going to do? (laughs) And in this photo, I pulled up, there's the bed and there's all this beautiful black compost. And then there's this line where it just stops. (laughs) And then you see my ordinary like clay, (laughs) you know, dirt in my bed. And it's this line of like before and after. And, um, you know, agriculture farming, these local horticultural places. I mean, they were affected too, and they'd sent their workers home and they were closed and that was it. The, the compost I had, I was not getting any more. That was it. It was this line, I feel like line in the sand, <laughs> line in my yeah. garden bed. But Lisa Joe, this week, um, we've had um, our first taste of spring weather. And as is true in most places in the country, but I feel like especially true around here, um, it will be two steps forward one step back for a while so I am I am right. not suggesting that spring is here to stay <laughs> most likely it's not I know I can remember one memorable March where we had five blizzards in a row um it was crazy <laughs> so that's unusual as well but this week we we had our first taste of spring weather like four days in a row of really sunny warm temperatures um, and so I got out in the garden again, and it felt so good to start some of the the cleanup and the snipping that will help um, the perennials, the plants that come back year after year grow in really well. Um, they could grow without my help, but if I clear away some of the extra leaves, if I cut things back, they will grow in so much better and so much more beautifully and we'll be able to really see them. So there's always a lot of, of work to be get, to be done. Um, in in order to sort of restart the growing season. So I was doing that this week and it was so fun. The sun felt so good on my skin. Um, In fact, my youngest was out playing just in the yard all day. And I realized last night she had a little sunburn. Her cheeks were sunburned. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I need to find the sunscreen if this keeps up. But the other thing about restarting the garden in March is that one aspect of gardening that is, Really, the part that probably feeds my soul the most is absent. We don't have it. It it's not accessible in March, and that is beauty. Nothing mm-hmm. is growing. Um, it's brown. On top of oh, brown. brown. On top of
1: brown. I just, I realized once again, like, wow, this time of year, it's so weird. And I, I just interrupt you because it was so striking to me that when I drive through our neighborhood, everything is either like a burnt yellow color or a drab mm-hmm. brown. And I realized mm-hmm. how odd that grass turns this color. <laughs> like, it is. <laughs> the, like, it's yeah. weird. And I realized that is a strange phenomenon and that all of this is going to turn green. And we live, there's a road near us called forest avenue that is the luscious most beautiful road really three seasons a year because even in winter it's glorious there's like snow it's like narnia but mm. right now it is so i mean i'm sorry it's ugly it's, it's so ugly brown. it is and i am yes. over it and i said to zoe we are gonna wait because i can't i'm like a Like I spy, right, waiting for those little prickles of green to start appearing, and I feel like like a crack addict. Like I cannot wait for that to happen. I'm desperate for green,
0: and I'm not even a gardener. Mm -hmm. Just
1: desperate for green.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's true. I think especially in places that have real winters where it freezes. Hard and many nights, and even where you get a lot of ice and snow that weights everything down and bleaches even more color out of the grasses. It, this right. time of year, there's no other word for it. it. It is ugly. It's so ugly. And actually, you saying that reminds me of one of my favorite picture books. And yes, I am a middle aged woman with favorite picture books. I think picture books are <laughs> we in love art that form. so much about you. <laughs> even if most of my children feel like they're too old for them, they are not. I keep telling them, I am not too old for these books. So how can you be too old for these books? But my favorite, one of my favorite picture books, um, a gift from my sister Kelly, because she knows me so well, is called And Then It's Spring. And Julie uh, Fogliano, I think, is the writer, And Then It's Spring. And so it's a book about springtime. And it's um, a little boy who plants these little seeds, and he's he's watching and waiting for his garden to grow. But for most of the book, it's brown, painfully brown, page after page of brown. He's swinging on this tire swing, and there's just mud and brown. Oh. And he becomes desperate, imagining maybe um, bears have tiptoed down from the hills and eaten all my seeds. And maybe birds <laughs> came at night and ate my seeds. And maybe there is— maybe. Sp- spring will never come. And you feel it in the book that almost the closer you get to that burst of new spring life, the uglier and harder and muddier (laughs) everything looks. So I love the spring because of course it does end with, and then, and then there was this little you know, sprout of green. So it does, it begins very small. I mean, spring does not show up in swaths of rainbow colored tulips. It doesn't. Right. That'll come soon enough, but that's not how it begins. It begins in these much smaller ways where you get out in the brown. And I start yesterday, I spent time with a rake trying to rake up um, mushy piles of leaves that had over <laughs> fall and yes. winter kind of blown up almost like drifts yes. of snow. These were like drifts yes, of we sodden leaves. I'm yeah, ignoring and ignoring them. Yeah, they're they're mucky. And the thing is, depending on where they are, eventually they'll decompose on their own. So it's not like you have to move them. But if they're in some place where you want other things to grow, and the pile is now three feet deep, nothing can get through. So if it's like on some of your prized plants, like you're going to have to move most of those leaves aside so that your, you know, your green things can grow up. So I was doing that yesterday and just honestly enjoying it immensely. I mean, again, loving the warm temperature, but it's almost like preparation for the beauty. It's like um mm. getting ready to get ready. <laughs> it's like <laughs> believing in spring before i have evidence from my eyes, you know, that spring will come. And um and i think yeah, so this reentry into my garden is a reentry from winter to spring and it may be a lot like how we're experiencing reentry in other ways where yeah, I still I still have the mask on and while I'm happy to wear it if it protects others, at the same time it's so uncomfortable and my glasses fog up and yeah, I feel that, right? I'm not going to pretend otherwise. Just like I'm not going to pretend like my garden in March looks lovely. It doesn't. But here I am out in it doing the work <laughs> and believing, <laughs> you know, that that um a new day is at hand. So yeah it's a it's like it's spring, and it's not what we think of as <laughs> spring at yeah. all, but this is the small beginning that um if the Lord rejoices in it and I think he does, then um that changes my perspective on it for sure,
1: yeah, I felt that way last year when everything was shutting down. I felt like it was such a special grace that it was happening in the season of spring because mm, while we it was. were all getting you know, locked down in our houses, we had these beautiful outdoor spaces, even if it's just a tiny patch of grass, you know, the weather was beautiful and you can sit there on a lawn chair and just enjoy the sky. And it is interesting that here we are Having experienced a year of a pandemic where we are all so desperate for normalcy, that spring rolls back around with hope. There just seems to be hope attached to it that anything is manageable if the weather outside allows you to revel in it. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for mile markers. I'm grateful for... You and I have talked often about the seasons because they help us process different stages of life, and that one season as much as you love it in the beginning rolls to an end and you have this you have this promise of something new about to start and so I think I feel it this this year in a way more so than i than I even have before, and I guess I'll end by saying this, so Zoe's birthday is on the nineteenth, and her name zoe in in Greek means life that is what her name means. Yeah. And there's something about, you know, her, her verse is really John 10, ten I've come to give you life and life to the full. And that, that promise is true. No matter if you're in a pandemic, no matter if you're locked down, no matter if it's brown outside, no matter if you feel hopeless, no matter if you've run out of mulch or run out of salary or run out of <laughs> job opportunities or run out of patience for homeschool. And God mm-hmm. has promised to give us a full life because he pours himself into it. And so I just, Feel especially grateful though, because that is true in winter. It's true in the season of brown, but how wonderful in a season walking into spring where you get to experience it in a new kind of way where God's own abundance shows up on trees and twigs and berries mm-hmm. and tulips and daffodils. And <laughs> can you tell that we are so ready? <laughs> We're <laughs> so ready for spring to come. We are going to have to finally, re- we get we get to record a new intro where we talk about our favorite things about spring. And Christy, I don't know about you, but now I feel just so ready of the anticipation of like all right? things yeah. spring that I love.
0: Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll, let's end with this, Lisa Joe. So I did a thing this morning. My garden is, as I said, my garden, my yard, the whole world here where I live is brown, brown, brown. But a few years ago, I planted something because I knew I needed something more than brown in the brown season, I planted these particular daffodils that bloom much earlier than most daffodils. And um, I have them on my Instagram if you want to go to um, Christy Purifoy or Maplehurst Gardens on Instagram. I shared them there so you can find the exact variety name if you too want to do this. So, I planted these daffodils a few years ago. And this week they started blooming. So, though nothing else is blooming, on the edges of my yard, there are these little spots of yellow. And so, this morning, right before we came to record... I went out, knowing we were going to get some rain maybe today, and I just wanted to make sure they were okay and they weren't battered. (laughs) I went out and I cut a pitcher full of them and brought them inside, and I have now yellow daffodils on the kitchen counter in my house, a sure sign of spring and life. And while it doesn't feel abundant yet, it doesn't feel abundant. It feels small, very small. It is life, and it is life. Um, abundant. Mm-hmm. It is that life just beginning to bubble up and I, I believe we can embrace more and more of that um, in the weeks and months to come. Um, and those daffodils are a sign of it on my counter, a sign of promises fulfilled. And, um, and I think also maybe now will remind me of um, our Lord who is rejoicing with us on the other side of, of this year.